unless we all individually do our own part in telling a kid that they can be great, that they have all the skill set in the world to be great, and they can actually make the impact they want in their respective communities, then none of this is going to change. During stints in spots like Washington, D.C. and New York City, Justin Bibb has learned a thing or two about entrepreneurship. And now, the senior advisor at Gallup thinks there needs to be more opportunities to have kids in underserved communities learn those business skills. And he believes that could ultimately increase the region's economic prosperity. And that's what we'll be discussing on today's episode of Here's an Idea, a show where we talk with people across the city about one thing, big or small, that they think could be done to make Cleveland better. I'm your host, Amy Hansen. So Justin's story and his idea start right here in Northeast Ohio. So I was born and raised um, in the Mount Pleasant neighborhood on the southeast side of Cleveland. Um, and I had this vivid memory of my grandma holding a local uh, community black club meetings in our living room. Um, and I was always intrigued by her commitment to public service to make our neighborhood better. And so that really inspired me to go to Washington, D.C. for college. Uh, where I studied um, urban studies at American University. And when I got to college, I thought that politics was the best way to change communities. Um, and so my first year of college, I interned on Capitol Hill uh, for uh, Senator Barack Obama when he was in the Senate. Wow. Yeah, yeah, pretty phenomenal experience. No doubt. Yeah, and I remember sitting in a lunch with him, and he said to all the interns in our group, he said, you guys should aim to do something, not be anything. And that was an aha moment for me because here I was uh, in the power center of the world um, and a stone's throw away from the Capitol was one of the worst neighborhoods in the nation, the Anacostia neighborhood of DC. And when I started to do more volunteer work in the neighborhood, I saw the similarities between those kids and their backgrounds in my backgrounds, and I said, there's a big disconnect. And so um, I started doing community organizing on the southeast side of DC, um, and I got a fellowship to really look at urban problems in a very unique way. Um, and our funding got cut after one semester. So I had roughly 15 kids that were really excited about getting involved in their community and volunteering, but we had no more funding. So I had two choices. I could either quit say, hey, it was a great experience, put on the resume and, and move on. Or I could find a way to keep the program going. So I found an opportunity uh, where I created um, a service learning initiative, um, applied for a grant to be a, a young social entrepreneur before I even know what the word meant. Uh, luckily, we got grant funding. And over a course of roughly two years, we were able to help hundreds of kids graduate high school uh, by volunteering in their, in their communities to solve uh, the most important problems uh, in their neighborhoods. And so for me, that was the first moment where I took, I found out that I had the ability to take risks, um, mobilize people to, uh, around a problem. Um, and I also saw that a lot of kids have innate talent and strengths. They just need um, the empowerment, the mentorship, and the opportunity to put their strengths into practice. Um, and I think across cities, uh, across the country, um, we're missing an opportunity to engage our students in this notion of entrepreneurship. 
So take me back a little bit to post-DC. And so now you're back in Cleveland right yeah. after kind of a myriad of stops. Yeah. So have you spent time with kids? Have you spent time in these communities? Yeah. Uh, so uh, last spring, uh, I spent uh, a couple of days uh, mentoring a group of, of young students um, that were interested in entrepreneurship. Um, and they took our uh, Gallup assessment called the Builder Profile 10. And they were all really amazed that each of them had different strengths and talents. So one kid was really good at selling. The other, could, uh, the other kid was a really big risk taker. The other one had really great team building skills. And so I gave them an activity and I said, okay, you guys are in charge of creating your own business. And you each have to choose a, uh, a profession in that business based on your individual strengths and talents. So the kid who was very good at selling was the chief sales officer. The kid who was very good at taking risk was the CEO. And the kid who was really good at being a team builder was the chief operating officer. And they were having really great conversations about what they would do to build this business. And the business idea they had was to create a lawn care business for their neighborhood in the east side of the city. And they thought that by doing this, not only would they help their community look better, but they could employ folks in their neighborhood that need jobs immediately. And these were high school kids. And it's my, it's my guess that there are tons of high school kids across our city who have amazing ideas, amazing talent, but no real opportunity or vehicle to put those talents into practice every day. Because the way that our society works and our school system works, it's, it's based on a classic economic model where you sit in a classroom for roughly you know, five to six hours a day, a teacher teaches you what you need to know to pass a test, and then you get a certificate to graduate high school, and that's it, right? But rarely do we look to students and leverage student voice to build those policy programs and ideas to make sure that we're aligning education to what makes them passionate about what they're learning. How did the kids identify the problem in their area? They were really um, just candid about the issues they were dealing with. Uh, several of the students um, had friends who were in, in the juvenile detention facility. Um, several of them had family members who were incarcerated, who were back on the street and had a hard time finding a job. Um, and they were all pretty frustrated that um, their communities have looked the same uh, since they had been living in them and nothing has changed. And they were using this idea of entrepreneurship as a creative thinking process to say, well, how can we envision our neighborhood differently? And how do we use our core talents and strengths to create a process where we can actually improve our neighborhoods ourselves and not rely on some nonprofit or government to do that for them? And so it really um, made me think about the importance of listening to the people we're trying to serve. So whether you're in government or in business, the customer should always come first. Um, and in education and entrepreneurship, rarely uh, is student voice at the forefront of those conversations. So I was just really impressed with their talent um, and their creativity in that process. So how do we get more opportunities like that one that you helped facilitate 
to other students? Kind of what's your idea on how to replicate or is there a way to replicate or make a similar process? Absolutely. So one thing that we piloted at Gallup this summer was we hosted our own uh, business builder immersion program, uh, partnering with uh, the mayor's office of DC through their summer employment program. And we had roughly 15 students intern over a course of eight weeks where they understood what their strengths were through a very sophisticated talent development process. We brought in other entrepreneurs across DC to tell them about how to be an entrepreneur, what's that process like. For a lot of kids, they've never met a business owner. They don't even know what the word entrepreneurship means. And for a lot of them, they had the inherent skill sets of great entrepreneurs, but didn't know they were actually, this was actually a real viable career path for them. Um, and at the end of the program, the students got together to create their own t-shirt business. Uh, and they launched this business at the end of the summer, had a fashion show with business leaders, government leaders, showcasing the new t-shirt company idea. And they made roughly $17 worth of profit at the end of the program. So this was a very unique public-private partnership, government, business coming together, focused on helping underserved communities of color get the access they, that they needed around entrepreneurship education. Um, and it's a low-cost model where if you're a neighborhood organizer or a local business, you could find 10 to 15 students to ensure you're showcasing them what a career in entrepreneurship may look like one day. So how do you get that, or how do you do that here in Cleveland? Is that the magic question, right? That's a great question. Um, I think, number one, one idea would be to really encourage uh, more policy debate about how to align um, our educational system to the career choices and the jobs that are being created in the future. And I know there are a lot of great models that we have right now in Cleveland with linked learning and getting kids involved in STEM education and the healthcare field. But I think what's really missing is this critical conversation of thinking about what entrepreneurship can look like at the neighborhood level. Um, I think secondly, uh, hitting the reset button on what we think an entrepreneurship, an entrepreneur actually is. So a lot of us think that it's the Steve Jobs of the world or the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world. But to me, my grandma was an entrepreneur. What'd she do? Uh, she was a, uh, her own, she owned her own restaurant and bar for, for a long time. Um, and as someone who kept our community together and, and whole and safe throughout my lifetime, she had a scarcity of resources, built a network, had an idea, and brought people together to ensure that our neighborhood black club was successful um, and created programs like black parties, neighborhood gardens, to ensure that our kids in our neighborhood had an opportunity to get involved and that we were safe. And so um, I think there are these very innovative entrepreneurs across our city, but we don't think of them as entrepreneurs, right? So people who are taking risk every single day to make our community better, and they don't get a lot of the, um, the admiration or the celebration or are not in headlights all the time. If a school wanted to create an entrepreneurship program, what would that look like? Well, first, it would um, look like finding a, an assessment or a way to measure a kid's strengths so to understand what actually their, what their key talents are, developing those students around their strengths and talents, 
um, and building a program where you're finding local businesses to support you um, and using that, that immersion program to help students create a business plan based on their own needs and wants and desires and giving them the, a, a safe place to test those ideas um, so they can actually see their work in progress. That would be an immediate thing that you can do. Why is that important to Cleveland? Well, Cleveland's at a critical crossroads right now. Um, we've seen an amazing transformation over the last decade or so. Um, but for us to truly be competitive in the next 50 to 100 years is going to take thinking about economic development in a new way. Um, and it's going to take looking at economic development through an equity lens to do that. And if we don't solve these big problems structurally around inclusive economic development, then Cleveland truly won't live up to its true potential long term, in my opinion. Um, and this is a problem that a lot of cities have across the country. But I think that Cleveland has the right assets, um, the right um, public and, and private sector um, um, ability. But in a lot of ways, we lack the political will to do things differently. We're a very risk-averse town. And I think for us to be truly competitive in the next 100 years, we have to be um, not as scared to take risk and fail and learn from that failure and take those learnings and go out and do it again. And, we, and, and you keep doing it again and testing those ideas. This happens in Silicon Valley in New York City all the time. You know, people have a, an innovative idea, they take a risk, they might fail, um, but from that failure they learn and they grow. Um, every amazing entrepreneur that we talk about now has all failed tremendously. But until we're willing to take bets on our own folks, we won't really realize our true potential long-term in the future. How would Cleveland be impacted by having more entrepreneurs? Number one, I think we'll see an increase in organic job creation. Um, and we know that small business growth is the, the pipeline of the American economy. And it's the, 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 the central nucleus of how cities are going to be competitive in this new economy. Um, I think secondly, we can see uh, more issues uh, being addressed as it relates to um, our infant mortality rates, um, as it relates to health disparities. We know that when someone has a good, high-paying job, they have dignity, they have pride, um, they can provide for their families in an effective and an efficient way. Um, and in my opinion, uh, having a good job is the best public policy we can have. Um, and that, but that requires being intentional about creating the right conditions to foster organic job growth at the neighborhood level. And that requires looking at these issues through an equity lens and ensuring that citizen voice is at the heart of the policymaking process. Let's back up a little bit and kind of get to the heart of that voice. Say I'm a teacher, right, in a CMSD school that's maybe not a, a magnet school, but I know and I've identified that entrepreneurship is important and I want to start fostering that with my kids. How do educators do that? I think first and foremost there are a lot of great programs out there um, that they probably would want to reach, you know, connect with. I know that Junior Achievement does great work, the Burton D. Morgan Foundation does great work. So first, looking at the available resources out in the community. I think secondly, 
Um, asking students what they want out of school, what they want out of life, what they want out of their career, um, and building curriculums around student interest and, and around student engagement. That's so important to this process um, because we know that the skill sets you get from being in entrepreneurship help you become more ready for college, work, and life in the 21st century. Um, and I think lastly, um, just holding all of our stakeholders accountable. Um, we did a study at Gallup and we found that roughly only 4% of students have actually had an internship throughout their time in middle school and high school. So if every business in our community decided not for an internship, then that would go a long way in exposing kids to the prospects of what it's like working in, the in a business and how to apply those skills in any sector that you get involved in in the future. How do you think the community as a whole, if you were to kind of estimate, would react to that? I think it'd be pretty receptive. Um, I think the key, though, is ensuring that the students are placed in positions that fit them in their own unique needs and skill sets. Um, and also kind of um, being more risk-oriented in our approach to how we think about business and how we think about engaging kids in the business development process. Um, a lot of times, some employers may not want to hire certain uh, students um, because it maybe costs a lot of money, takes a lot of time to train them and get them up to speed. But I think if we kind of take a step back and, and orient ourselves differently about what it actually would take to involve them in an internship, um, I think it could be very successful. Do you have any good memories of the kids that you've worked with during those pilot programs that you've done that kind of stick out to you as being stars of the process or, or, or personify kind of a moment for you where you were like, oh yeah, this is why I'm doing this. This is why it's important. Yeah, I, I probably would speak to um, my time in DC uh, with the group I organized um, and I have a very vivid memory of a kid who um, really wanted to fix a park that was adjacent to his school. And the park had, was filled with liquor bottles, needles, and trash. Um, and I said, you know, Darian, why is the park filled like this? He says, you know, well, we, we've tried to, to talk to our school and our community about doing something about it, but they don't think that we have the, the skill set or the talent to organize to make it happen. And I said, well, what if we gave you the opportunity to do that? He says, I would love that, but I, I just need somebody to, to trust and, and believe in me. And I think that um, speaks to a lot of our kids especially in underserved communities where um, they're struggling with so much at home, at school, um, and um, they don't know that they can achieve these great dreams because they don't see it, see it around them. Um, and no one's telling them that they can be great. And unless we all individually do our own part in telling a kid that they can be great, that they have all the skills set in the world to be great, and they can actually make the impact they want in their respective communities, then none of this is gonna change. Um, and no government or nonprofit program can solve that. I think collectively as individuals, we have the power to do it ourselves by looking in our own backyard to say, what can I do in my community to inspire the next generation of community and business builders to play a role in transforming where we live. Um, and that was a big aha moment for me. Uh, because personally, I had a grandmother and a mother 
who said, Justin, you can be great one day, and we're going to work like heck to make sure that uh, can come into fruition, regardless of what it takes. Um, and I, so, and I, so I believe that all of us collectively have the power to do that. All right, Justin, thank you so much for being here and sharing uh, all of this wisdom and advice. We appreciate it. Happy to be here. It's a great time. And you can find Justin on Twitter at Justin M. Bibb. That's Bibb with two Bs. And be sure to check out more about Here's an Idea over on WKYC.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Amy Hansen.